Well, the Pacers have made a trade. We're doing a sort of an emergency podcast, I guess. I don't know. We're going to be in the business of doing that a whole lot. But I think since we did an NBA podcast last week with, with Steve Isaacs and, and his partner, Tyler, uh, I've got Steve back on because he's a big baseball or he's a big Pacer fan. And then Adam Johnson, who is an Evansville resident, correct? Yes. Also a big Pacers fan. We are in a fantasy basketball league together, a league that has existed for 30 years. Uh, I tend to not talk about it too much outside of uh, our little group, but but uh, those two guys are relatively new. I've been in it since the beginning, and uh, but I know that these two guys are both both do stuff publicly, and they're both are huge Pacer fans. So we got three pretty damn good talkers on this one. I guess we're kind of what episode one hundred eight. I guess is what this is going to be uh, for Courtside Indiana podcast because that's what the feed that's what feed this is going to go on. So. So let's get into it. Steve, what was the Pacers minute trade with Cleveland? The, the core of it is we got a first round pick and Cleveland got Karis LeVert. But what were the total details? Since you've got it written down, you go ahead and read them. Yeah, so the Pacers will get Rubio's expiring $17 million contract. Uh, expires at the end of the season. Of course, he's injured and can't play anyway. Um, they also get a protected first round pick this year, which you think is the Houston pick. And then a two no, the, second round pick. The, the, right? No, the, the, the first round pick is Cleveland's pick Okay. this year, uh, lottery protected. The second round pick, one of them is Houston's pick this year. So they should have two picks, two extra picks inside the top 33 or 34, depending on where Houston nice. finishes. Yeah, that will be nice. That'd be nice to package some picks. Of course, they'll have their own first round pick. I don't think they have their own second round pick this year which kind of sucks. Um, I can check that real quick while, while the rest of us are, while we're all talking, but. I do uh, have the cap uh, allocations too. The Cavaliers will be sitting at about 134 million and the Pacers at 136.7. Yeah. And that's for current roster. That's, that's not counting. Like we're not, we're not (laughs) Pacer fan already looking to next year. Right. Um, was that 136 is what our current cap is looking like. Correct. Yeah. 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 Correct. Yeah. Still, under, still under the tax. I mean, the Pacers aren't going to go over the tax unless they're just right on the verge of competing for a title. Um, that they've, the, the few times they've, they've been in title contention, they've not had to worry about the tax. They, they've been able to get their roster pretty affordably. And I mean, certainly over the cap and anybody that listens his feed, I listens to this podcast, you know, if you're not big NBA fans, salaries have to match to 25 up to 25 or within 25% of each other. So if Karis Levert for teams that are over the cap, so Cleveland and Pacers are both over the cap. So Karis Levert was making 18.4 million uh, in, in, in yearly salary. And so the, so that they had to have a matching salary in return. That's why the Rubio piece is vital. Uh, and it had to be 25% in either direction. So they could either have somebody that was making within 75% of what Rubio or of what Levert made, or within 125% of what Levert made. So, and obviously it works that it works that way in both for both teams. And that's what makes sometimes what makes trading hard, but that's why you get these situations where, we're all kind of giddy. They get to get Rubio, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, cool. We got a guy that we got a guy that got injured, you know, and, but um, you guys like this trade. 
Yeah, I mean, I so, so it, it kind of comes with an asterisk, asterisk a little bit. Um, it if we're going to go into, and I don't know if we ever go into a full rebuild mode. That that's not Herb Simon's Indiana Pacers. Um, but it, I I like the trade as it stands today, assuming that we're doing more stuff down the line uh, and looking to. While it's probably not a full blown rebuild, we're not going to go full Florida Marlins fire sale here, right? Um, but if we're looking to not build around this current roster because this current roster clearly isn't working and I don't think it's going to work. Um, I, I think this is a very positive step in that direction to try to compete in the next couple of years instead of next year. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. I've totally flipped this season. I mean, the beginning of the year, I was looking at this Pacer team, like, all right, you know, maybe five, six seed um, and just kind of mm-hmm. see where it goes. I did too. Um, and, and I would agree uh, with what he said. Um, it's not working. Like look, this team as is, is never going to like win an Eastern conference championship. So, you know, and, and it's, I've always said the Pacers did a really good job of kind of, you know, bridging from, through rebuilds without ever having to totally rebuild the team and staying pretty competitive. I think this is the first time in a long time that you just, you know, ship these guys out of town and just kind of see where it goes. But I like it more for the case of tanking and to, you know, try to get assets and work your way into a high lottery pick. They, and they've done that twice. They've done it twice where they've rebuilt on the fly and they've not had to gut, but they've also not really ever had that superstar, you know, or the opportunity to get that superstar. Um, but to your point about you thought they could be a five or six seed, I did too. And a lot of the stuff that I listened to at the beginning of the year, I, you know, I listened to probably a handful of, of NBA podcasts. Uh, of course, some of them are strictly NBA podcasts, but then also Bill Simmons's podcast. And, and I think to a man, each, each person thought the Pacers would be better than they were last year. So better than they were last year means they're, they're making, they're going to be one of the top six seeds. So I think that's where I don't think anybody anticipated Cleveland being as high as they were. I don't think anybody uh, maybe, maybe after maybe Chicago was sort of inching in there and and in that five or six seed area, I don't think anybody anticipated them being as good as they have been, but, but everybody that talked about the Pacers felt that way, at least to the, the, the stuff that I listened to and none of them are Pacer fans. I don't, really listen no offense to anybody sorry if i i don't really listen to any of the actual pacer podcast stuff um i listen to tyler's stuff every now and then when when i see a topic that that interests me um but but like you know agnes and and caitlin i don't know if she does a podcast but the the pacer blog blogosphere and beat writers i don't listen to any of their stuff i guess because i'm more interested in in I I, th- I think national guys get better trade rumors, so I like listening to them anyway. So, um, especially you know sometimes I've I, I do like listening to Winhorst Brian Winhorst, even though I, I kind of tease him on Twitter about being you know basically Le- LeBron's sock puppet. But um, the Pacers do not have their own second round pick. It's it's to Orlando right now. That's who has it, or it, I don't know. It says to Orlando via Milwaukee semicolon Miami. So I'm not sure what that means, but, but they clearly don't have it. So, 
So they sort of replenish their, their haul a little bit and they're in a good position to make a deal. Um, I w- I've been shocked at how poorly they shoot this year. I don't know, AJ, we, we talked about, Steve and I talked about this last week with, with Tyler. So we're, some of our views may get rehashed a little bit just on the Pacers as a whole. Did, did you, you realize how poor of a shooting team the Pacers have been this year? I, I do realize how poor of a shooting team the Pacers have been this year because it is almost the polar opposite of what I expected. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting the Golden State Warriors out there, right? Um, but but I thought I thought we had a team that consistent that could consistently hit spot up three pointers, um, especially with Brogdon's ability to create off the dribble a little bit in the pick and roll. I thought we'd have a lot of spot up shooters just hanging out in the corner. Uh, hitting hitting their 37%, right? No, not anything outstanding, right? But it's pretty good. Um, and and it's just not happened. Uh, the, the amount of wide open threes on the wing that just clank out off the back of the rim has been frightening <laughs> this year. It's been it's been wild. And I, I think most of us are we're giving Duarte a pass because he's a rookie, right? Even though he's an old rookie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, but he's shooting a decent percentage. <clears throat> Brogdon has taken a definite step back, which is funny because, you know, percentages were up last year with, with Bjorkman Bjorkgren as the head coach. And now a lot of it is injuries. We, we, there's been a lot of injuries with the Pacers this year. There's been a lot. They've missed a lot of COVID games. I think last year, even they were the second most missed the second most games for due to COVID protocol. That was last season, this season. I got to believe they're right there toward the top as well. And, and some of that could also be, you know, hey, we're not in contention, so we're sort of sheepishly and slowly. Every now and then somebody misses three games because of COVID. I don't know if that's – Well, and, that, and, the and I don't know the rules. I don't know the rules behind that with the league, uh, but I've kind of gotten the sense that uh, that they've been using COVID as an excuse for right. kind of a tanking tool. A little They're bit. not rushing anybody back. Absolutely not. You know, and they are talking about Miles Turner being ready to go right after the all-star break, which that will be curious because foot injuries for bigs, especially can be tricky. But, um, you know, I guess to put it in the context of our league, I mean, Adam's a big Sabonis fan. Um, so nothing, no news there yet. Right. I mean, we, and we'll talk about him before we get done here, but, but Steve's got Duarte on his team. So he's, he's happy. He's going to get to see, not that he's using Chris because we have funky rules that that allow us to build through the draft and sort of exempt players. That's as much as we'll talk about that stuff. But but you kind of you got to be kind of pumped to see Duarte get you know a bigger role, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think all Pacers fans should be, but you especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously going to help my fantasy team, but you know, I I think he needs more opportunity. I think this is mm-hmm. a prime example to kind of here to the end of the season to obviously he's just a rookie, but you know, see what he can do and, and maybe make this his team. Uh, you know, you, same way I feel about Isaiah Jackson. I'm hoping yeah. he continues to get more opportunities here uh, the rest of the season. Did you, did you guys watch the game tonight? No, I, I haven't yet. Did, so Buckner made a point. Quinn, Quinn made a point that the, about Duarte, about how Lavert kind of had to be the first one to go because that was the one position where 
they had a definite plan in place for who's going to take those minutes and who's going to take that role. And he's like, now this is Duarte's time to really blossom and, and see what kind of a player he, he could be. He's like, he goes, we don't fully expect it to be consistent, but you know, hopefully we'll see some games now. And I think we did early in the year, but hopefully we'll see some games now where, you know, Duarte is putting up big numbers. I don't think anybody expects him to be someone who could carry a franchise. But at the same time, if he could if he could produce the occasional 30 point game and and consistently and efficiently score around 18, 19 points a game shooting. The key for me is the shooting aspect of it is can he be a 40 percent three point shooter? Because, I, you know, the Pacers miss Doug McDermott a lot this year. Just his ability to, to hit the hit the three, his ability to stretch the floor. And that's that's. He and Sabonis worked so well together last year that, you know, that's that's a definite some that's definitely something that they miss. It'd be nice oh. if Duarte can be be that guy, even also as a guy who can create his own shot. Well, and 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 one of my concerns, honestly, is that we stop here with this trade. Um, yeah, I don't and, think we are. and and never really develop anything further because we're asking too much for Domas or, or, or Miles or something. Um, because I think if we stop here with this trade, there's potential that, and this sounds silly, but with Duarte being a little more efficient, the Pacers might be a little better. Or, or <laughs> <When>, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> well, Levert's been today. so efficient for that 19 points. I, I it, mean, he he's scoring, but it but it takes so much away from everyone else that I I'm concerned that well, well, or Duarte, uh, Levert, uh, is, yeah. is good. Um, he's very inefficient and Correct. I can, when the concern is that we get much more efficient, um, and, and win more games than we should be if we stop here. I, yeah, I was disappointed with how Levert was played this year. And I think a large part of it is, you know, Steve and I talk basketball coaching stuff a, a little bit here and there, but, a lot of it is how often the ball just sticks with Levert. And he's just not – he's not an ISO player. He's not a guy that's going to win games in isolation. Now, he has had some big games, but a lot of it's herky-jerky. And, and it just – and, again, the shooting aspect of it is, is what's bothersome because it's just not consistent. So if you can't – if you're not a good shooter, you're not going to be able to – you're not a good shooter and you're not somebody who can just consistently finish at the rim you know, like say like a Michael Jordan used to do, not that everybody has to be like Michael Jordan, but, but it's gotta be one or the other or else you're just sort of hunting and pecking. And that's exactly what he looks like he's doing. He's out there, you know, hunting shots with no real go-to. And there's some times when he has big games, but, you know, to speak to what, to what Adam said about inefficiency, he's always, he's a high volume player. And that's not something you really want out of somebody who can't carry a team, you know, high volume players are that work or, you know, guys who can win championships, guys who can get teams to the cusp of championships. And right now the Pacers don't have anybody like that um, yet. And we'll see if the work they can be that guy. I don't know that he can, but I, I would like to see us keep Sabonis because I do think he does. He does a lot of good things on both ends of the floor, but um, yeah, the, the Levert was sort of just just not as good as I thought he was going to be, and I'm glad they they were able to get this for him because that's it's a pretty good set of assets for the Pacers. So, well, I mean, if this Pacers team is ever going to be what we want it to be, like the franchise player of the future is probably not on this team right now. So you know, no, 
Yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you know, they over can this keep course, a guy. Yeah, hopefully they. I mean, hopefully we we luck into a draft pick. There's four or five guys in this draft that I think could be franchise players, can be franchise headers. It'd be lovely if we could get first and take Jabari Smith. Um, so now you guys all know who I'll take if I get first in our draft. Man, you got some Purdue fans cussing you real big right now. Yes. Wow. <laughs> because they think Ivy's going number one? Because they, they think Ivy's number one. Yeah, he's not I, going number one. Ivy's, yeah. Ivy's pretty good. He ain't number one, though. He's not number one. <laughs> no. It's going to be it's gonna be Smith, Holmgren, or Bonchero. And it is <laughs> – there's not going to be much much else changing that. The, the, the guy from Duke, I can't remember his name now. I, I don't really lock into the draft until the season's over and, and we start preparing for the draft. But, but I do check top of the draft boards because I look for how it impacts kind of deals deals that I make in our league. And, you know, I know I know what it looked like in, in the four, five, six range that I, you know, definitely – He's either going to start thinking about tanking or, or going up the standings. And luckily I've been able to move up the standings, but, but AJ to the point or Adam to the point you made about hopefully this isn't just a one deal and then we're done deal. But the, there was a quote, I think it was a tribute to the Kevin Pritchard today during tonight's game. And I don't watch every game. And most of the times I met out, you know, at a, you know, at a restaurant or a bar, watching the game so i don't get audio so i don't really ever get to hear chris and quinn talk but tonight quinn also made a comment i think it was attributed to to pritchard saying that this was the first deal in in changing over the roster in a a unique way something along those lines i probably butchered it but that was the general assessment of the of the quote was that this is not going to be a one-and-done deal but let's keep in mind too in which that doesn't necessarily go to answer your concern, Adam, but let's keep in mind too, Brogdon can't be dealt until the end of the season. He, he, he since he signed an extension, he can't be dealt uh, until the end of a full season. So he's not tradable right now. So anything they did big, obviously will have to involve Turner or, or Sabonis unless they luck into something and anything that they do, um, anything that they do that would require some sort of package would, would almost involve Brogdon, like a bigger package would almost involve Brogdon and that can't be done till the end of the year. So I don't know, you know, what Pritchard's got up his sleeve, but I know I've always liked the deals that he's made and I like this one too. Yeah, I, 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 there's been times where when Kevin Pritchard first came on, I was like, this is, this is big. This is going to be huge for us as a franchise. Uh, and there's been some, there's been some moments of doubt, <laughs> uh, over the last year or two, because, and especially the start of this year, honestly, because that roster wasn't really working out how I expected it to be. Um, I was like, man, maybe maybe Pritchard isn't the answer here, but he's he's been saying a lot of the what I consider to be the right things and working on the right deals, and he's not willing to. I mean, you see the trade rumors that that float around out there, and nine times out of ten, it's the Pacers getting fleeced for oh, something. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, and and he's and he's clearly not willing to allow that to happen, which which is a positive. But and and that's where my concern is that we may just end up staying pat until maybe the end of the year to uh, to like you said include Brogdon in something a little more of a blockbuster deal. Well, that and that may be something that's 
for the better, even if it does put at risk. I mean, I'm sure at that point he'd have something in mind. I don't, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that he, if he sits on things that they will, it, it means that nothing else is kicking. It just means that, you know, they just couldn't make any more deals right now or didn't like the offers they were getting. And part of that too, is you got to consider they've, they've got to like the offers that are available to them. They, I don't want them to be in a position. And I know you didn't say this and you don't think this, but I don't want them to be in a position where they're making deals just simply just to make deals. Cause that is fantasy basketball crap. That's, that's what I do. Sometimes I just like to make trades, you know, cause you know, they're, <laughs> I think they're fun, you know, and, and I don't worry too much about, you know, any implications other than, how it impacts my top eight, you know, and like the guys we protect. But um, by the way, last year, this Pacers shot 36% from the three as a team. This year, they're shooting. I hate how these pages jump around. This year as a team, they're shooting 33% as a team. That's a pretty big drop off. Right. Yeah. Well, previous... And, and I would ahead, love Adam. to see if you, if you can even, I wasn't able to pull the stats quickly, but um, the open three percentage. I feel like our open three percentage has just been abysmal this year. Uh, and that's the big difference, I think, between this year and last year is that we're just not hitting the shots that that are just sitting there for us. Where are you finding that? Are you are you able to find that breakdown? I, I look at Synergy a lot, which they don't. I'm looking at basketball reference right now. The, two years ago, that's they what? shot 36 years ago, or two years ago, they shot 36% from three. 2019, they shot 37% from three. 2018, they shot 36.9% from three. Um, those other 36%, by the way, I, I was rounding down. 2017, they shot 37.6% from three. So you're so you every so everybody has to understand something. This is the worst shooting team the Pacers have had since 2016. They were at 35%. 2015, they were at 35 percent, 35 percent in 2014. I mean, you're starting to get get the picture here, people. 34 percent in 2013, they won 49 games that year. Of course, the game has changed. 37, there's 36.8 percent. The game has changed in the last five years. So, being able to hit that shot has become even more important. And this is by far their worst shooting season. I mean, I can't even. There's not even been anything lower than 34.7 there's a 34.8 that was a Jim O'Brien year they were awful that year I mean even those crappy Jim O'Brien teams were shooting 37 36 percent from three this pacer team is shooting abysmally abysmally and and much lower than what they've shot in I mean I'm all the way back to 2008 so 14 seasons 15 seasons and this is their worst shooting percentage, and it's by a wide margin. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm I'm looking at wide open, uh, and they're actually doing better. They're they're top ten in wide open uh, three they, point percentage this year. They're shooting thirty five percent from three when they're wide open. But those are um, those are the but, those are corner threes. Those are yeah. Justin those Holiday, those are just yeah just standing there. Duarte, um, and, Miles Turner. Those right. aren't those aren't the Levert stats. And, and but those those have felt like they've gone wanting a lot this year but if you go the next stat down where you're going four to six feet where it's not wide open but it's still pretty open is the next closest defenders four to six feet that falls down to uh almost 32 percent on the three where are you, where are you finding that is it uh, that, that's on nba 
Stats. Oh, oh, I see what you're doing. Okay. Yeah, there's a closest defender. Um, so they are. Um, so they are putting that breakdown on on the. I guess I don't ever really dig too deeply into their advanced stat stuff. So yeah, yeah. So so when they're wide wide open, when they're the only person in the gym, they're hitting at a pretty decent clip. But the moment that um, they can feel someone looking at them, it it falls off the table pretty quickly. I mean, Levert shooting 32% from the three-point line. Malcolm Brogdon is shooting 30.7% from the three-point line. Last year, Brogdon shot 38% from the three-point line. He's had three – so his two of his three years with the Pacers have been pretty subpar shooting shooting performances. The COVID year, he was 32.6. Last year, he was 38.8 with Bjorkren. Um, in Milwaukee, he was 40.4, 38.5, and 42.6. So this is by far his worst shooting year. Um, even even two years ago, it was a little bit better. But um, Miles Turner shooting 33% from three. I'm completely fine with that from a center because that is definitely 50% from, from yeah. the lot, you know. Yeah, enough to be dangerous. Yep. Duarte is shooting 35, 35.9. Holiday shooting 38. I mean, we are sort of belaboring the point. Um, or I am at least, because this has been a point I've been harping on for the last two weeks in different in different venues. It's just how badly of a shooting team they are. I mean, Sabonis is shooting better than Levert. So your starting shooting guard is can't shoot. You know, and that's you know, that's not good, right? <laughs> no. Right. Isaiah Jackson, forty two percent on pretty low volume though. So um yeah i, I like I, I mean i love this trade but to go to go back real quick jim i uh had my i was looking at the wrong column pacers are third to last in wide open threes this year oh nice not, not so you were right so i <laughs> okay. was right you were because right. that's what i was like 35 percent seems really really low for a team percentage on wide open threes and i yeah you're the, right the league leader is 43 percent if that tells you anything um the, what was the, the point I was going to make with Levert? Oh, I mean, I, and I love when we got him going back to the Pritchard stuff about trusting him and the deals that he's made. He was proactive with Paul George. And even though I thought maybe they could have wrangled out a first round pick from Oklahoma city, my, my gut reaction to that trade was that's a good trade. And that Victor Oladipo, especially his contract would be of great value by the time it was, by the time it was done. Cause I, I, I thought he would be a hell of a player for the Pacers. I didn't think he would have the kind of year he did the first year, but, but I thought he would be definitely a, you know, a 20 point per game score. I thought he would be a guy that might average, you know, three, maybe four assists. I did not think that he would be a situation where he would be a primary ball handler, where he would be getting you know two steals a game where he would be, you know, he put this franchise on his back several times in, a, you know, that, that first year. Um, but then in getting rid of Victor Oladipo, he was proactive. And then they stole Levert. They, they fleeced Houston out of that situation. And they got, um, you know, when Victor Oladipo got dealt as part of that big deal, what was what were the teams involved? Um, Houston. Oh, it was the Harden trade. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn. It's too bad we couldn't have fallen into um, Jarrett. Well, but but I mean, in our current roster makeup, how, how do you true. how do you make that work? Well, that yeah, but that was when we were all still pretty sour on Turner. Yeah, and it just seems like he falls short in the playoffs. But 
but it, it would have been it would have been cool if they could have gotten Jarrett because he was he's just such a good defender. So and and doesn't get played off the floor like Turner can get played off the floor. Yeah. Turner's got a little bit of that Gobert situation where there are ways you can play him in into disadvantage situations. So uh, Jarrett doesn't seem to have that problem for Cleveland, and they stole Jarrett from Brooklyn. And I thought the Pacers stole. I'm not sure why Houston didn't want Levert. I, I know it was contractual. I know there, it was because of the contract issues that it was two years longer, three years longer than what Oladipo had left. But I mean, I would gladly, I gladly took Levert in that deal. Um, and I'm glad they got rid of him. <laughs> I'm glad that this has been a good deal for him. So, so what's next? What do you, what do you see as the next move, Steve? Well, I mean, we don't need fake trades like I, we were talking about the other day, but what, what do you think they're going to do next? I would like to see them move Sabonis and Turner, at least one of them. Both? I okay. mean, obviously, I was say both obviously getting good assets back. And you look at some teams in the league like, you know, Boston, Memphis. Um, you know, I, I think those are teams that could use Sabonis in particular. Um, I don't like the assets coming from Boston, though. I don't yeah, like I mean, that. The, I mean, unless they're going to give us Jalen, you know, unless they're going to talk Jalen Brown for Sabonis and whatever, you know, I mean, I would throw in a couple extra pieces. Maybe, maybe now they do. Maybe now they get rid of Levert. They picked up a couple of extra nice picks. Maybe now they turn around and shove, shove that pick, you know, over, um, you know, over to somebody else. And maybe that gives them, I definitely yeah. think that this trade gives them more flexibility. What, I'm just what saying, you, I think there's, Teams that could really use Sabonis right now. True. Um, well, yeah. I don't want to get rid of him, though. That's a problem. Yeah. Unless yeah, the I'm, hall. I'm, and and I, Domas has been kind of my go-to pacer well, yeah, for the your, last couple of years. He's that's kind of your been team my dude. Name. Well, that's but your... I was I, – I love dad, right? Um, Arvidas Sabonis was my dude. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, and so Domas has always kind of had a special place even for me, even when he was at Gonzaga. Um but I just think he's not done yet. I, I think he's still got uh, some growth um, in his game that can just make him a very, very special player. Uh, I, I don't think he's your your staple number one guy on anything that resembles an East Coast Eastern Coast Conference Finals championship team. Um, but he's certainly that number two. He he is exceedingly efficient at the rim which is which is hard to do in in this in this league and if you can if you have a guy as as much as that as much as low post game is being phased out of the game or or at least being diminished it'll probably it'll never go away but if you've got a guy who can be effective at the rim then you you that to me is every bit as important as having a really good three-point shooter and you know in a lot of ways that's that's manifested in rim run guys who who can finish with lobs and, and play above the rim. And that's not Sabonis's game, but, but he is a guy who can finish. And that's, that's important. Miles Turner is a guy who cannot finish <laughs> at the rim. <laughs> they, they have different offensive skill sets. Um, you know, Turner is, I mean, he does shoot a pretty good percentage from, from inside the arc, but it's also at a very low, you know, it's a pretty low volume because he just isn't able to get the kind of touches and be effective. And I think some, some of his efficiencies inside the three point line are because his touches inside there are pretty specialized. Whereas Sabonis is just constantly, constantly getting touches inside the paint. Um, 
but Levert led the team in, th- in two-point attempts. I don't know how good that is. I would rather see him. I guess if he's getting to the rim, great, but he's only shooting 50% from, from inside the arc, and that's not that's not effective in, in today's game. You've got to be much, much more effective. His true – his – where is it? His – his effective field goal percentage, Levert's, was 49.6%. That's not good. Duarte's was higher. Sabonis's effective field goal percentage is 61.2%. Um, Turner's 58.7%. I, I just don't believe that those two guys can't play together. I just don't believe it. Um, I think the key is, I, I keep going back to this beating a dead horse, it's shooting. There is no outside shooting with this team. I'd like to see them keep that group together figure out if Warren's going to be able to contribute and somehow find a way to add a, a, a shooter back there at, at either, at either wing spot, even if it's somebody that comes off the bench, like a, like McDermott was. So. Well, and that, I think that's the value of the Rubio portion of this trade, right? Absolutely. Is that it just frees up a ton of money. I, we're going to have $31 million in cap space. Um, more than likely, I assume Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren probably, probably not coming back, um, which puts you at 30 million bucks to spend. I do um, think Warren will come back if he comes back at that salary. Yeah. I think, if, yeah. I think if he takes the same number or close to it, then I think he comes back. And I think the Pacers will maybe even give I could see the Pacers giving him a one year contract. And, and maybe he, or maybe he wants, I, I could see them giving him a one year contract at a big number to let him prove it. Uh huh. Or give him whatever years he wants at the same number for, for more stability. But obviously they'll have access to his his health records and they'll they'll know what his physical situation is. But but he by all accounts, he wants to come back. By all accounts. I've not heard, I mean, every time he's discussed, even on national podcasts, he it's said that he wants to come back. So I'd like to see see to me he lets the Pacers still be good and go small. Like who, you know, who are their best options when they go small right now? O'Shea Brissett. I mean, O'Shea is a good, is a good story. Tory Craig, those two guys, Brissett especially is a good story. Tory Craig is, is definitely a good defender who every now and then, I mean, he's shooting 34% from three every now and then he can hit an open shot. But when they go Warren at the four, then I think that they still have an opportunity to be good, staggering Sabonis and Turner's minutes. To me, that's been the problem is is when one or both of those guys are off the floor, the Pacers just aren't very good. And I, don't, I don't have the rotation numbers in front of me, but but I bet they'd look a hell of a lot better if T.J. Warren was the four-man while those two guys were staggering their minutes. But... Uh, yeah, Rubio, the options for him are what? They can they can still trade him. They can trade him another another deal if they can get a guy. They can let him walk and like you said, Adam, take the the cap the you know, take the cap uh savings. Or they can sign and trade him for an asset when free agency starts in July. Any, either of those, any of the, which option of those, Steve, do you think is most appealing to you? Just let him walk or? Well, I mean, anytime you can get an asset that you think is worth getting, I mean, I think you got to be open to it, but 
right. I like the idea of getting the uh, the room on your cat for sure. Yeah, it would be cool if they could figure out a way to, you know, because Cleveland was talking about, you know, they definitely wanted to bring him back if they couldn't figure out a way to, to turn him into an asset. But yeah. Adam, what do you think they're going to do next? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'd say probably Miles Turner goes next uh, purely because I think he's, he's the easiest solution to several teams problems. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's a, he's a defensive immediate defensive presence. You don't have to expect much out of him offensively. Uh, you know, you got to kind of hide him a little bit uh, in, in late games, but um, he's, he's just that immediate defensive impact that I think that he really probably has more options than, than, than Domas does because Domas requires more touches on the offensive end, um, which, which messes with teams that are in a, in a place where they're trying to either um, compete for a title or, or go deep into a playoff. Yeah. That that's it. The touch aspect of that is interesting. It's, I mean, but he's a facilitator, so it would seem like he could blend in better than, than somebody who just requires touches. But I, I mean, I get what you're saying. It would definitely create a situation for some teams to change, to change their attack. You know, it'd be easy for Turner because he can just be a you know, ball screen guy for early, you know, early in his time with the team before he really gets completely acclimated with the system. But, but he could be a ball screen guy and easily space the floor you know, easily, easily space the floor, um, you know, just because he's, he is a good shooter for a center. So I I'm afraid there's something cooking for Sabonis. I, I hope it isn't. I mean, I like you, Adam, I have faith in Pritchard, but I, I do think that Sabonis is going to be the next one to the next shooter drop. Unfortunately, I really hope somehow they land, somebody who is a really good piece, even if it's a young player next to Turner. I don't, I don't think we're ready to just completely rely on Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson just yet. Um, he, you know, it'd be nice if he could be the first big off the bench next year, next season, and even get a good taste of that for the rest of this year. When, what, what was his injury again? Do we remember what his injury was? Uh, no, actually, no. I, I don't off the top of my head. One sec. Let's try and Google it real fast. All right, last thought. If they trade Sabonis or Turner, who would you bring in, Steve? Just one name from any team that's semi-realistic. Uh, I don't I don't even have one particular guy in mind. I'm just I'm just looking just, at this. I know I just threw that at, at you guys. Adam gets more time to think. I guess I kind of have a guy, but I'm, my biggest thing is just a a young guy with a lot of potential, um, yeah. who who you might pop on. Um, like this is the first name that comes to mind, but we have no reason to make a trade with us with them because they're basically doing what you know we're trying to do is a. Uh, the Thunder, maybe uh, a guy like Poku who, you know, you don't know if he's going to develop or not, but he could be really good. You know what I mean? That's the kind of – Yeah, I'm not a Poku I'm guy. I'm not a Poku guy. <laughs> well, he's in the D League last I knew, but uh, yeah. he's the kind of guy that could pop. You know, Romeo Langford, 
isn't a guy that I'm, I don't feel as good about popping. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about somebody. Yeah. Like that's, that's making an impact now. Romeo doesn't even play anymore. I mean, the, the Celtics are just playing eight dudes now. So unless it's exactly. a blowout, yeah. unless it's a blowout. So yeah, I'm not interested in either one of those guys for, for Sabonis or Turner. Um, that's what I'm my concern though, is if you bring in a guy who makes too big of an impact, then you're kind of, if you're, if you're trying to tank a little bit, you're kind of defeating the purpose. So, yeah, but I don't, well, I don't think that, well, I think they're trying to position themselves to be good, to still be good next year. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think we're going to get to a point unless we're just completely overwhelmed with draft picks, which again, I got to believe if, if Pritchard can pull down a deal where, where the Pacers are getting, two first round picks for Sabonis and a swap and maybe some other asset, you know, maybe, maybe an, an asset like, uh, I don't know where he would, where it would be. I'm not a big Corey Kispert fan, but you know, even if it's something as cliched as Obi Toppin, you know, something along those lines with, with two first round picks and a pick swap, you know, I, I would have to think that, if Pritchard took value in that, then that Simon would let him make that deal that he wouldn't say, no, that's us tanking. No, that's pretty damn good value for a team that's going nowhere. Um, I, you know, I, I originally thought I would like to see a package deal with Washington where they get back Kuzma as, as part of the deal. But you know, that's, that's us keeping Turner. I would rather us trade Turner. Just because well, I, and that's uh, you. You mentioned Washington because that's kind of where I was going to go. I don't think there is a player that anyone is willing to give up for Sabonis that the Pacers could get back. So I think you got to look at it as a package. And and Washington was one that I thought you you said two first round picks. Well, Hachimura and Avija or whatever, however you say the, the Israeli dude's name. Yeah, um, Avdia. Yeah, Avdia. I've never heard it said out loud. I've only read it. Um, <laughs> if you can get like those two, I mean, Hachimura has proved to be a pretty solid two way player, uh, and that that's two first round picks, right? They're it just is, two yeah. first round picks from two and three years ago. Correct. Um, but but that's a situation where I think if you can get if you can get something like that, um, it, while not preferable, it, you you could live with something. In, in that realm. What about um, Turner to Detroit for like a Sadiq Bay, somebody, a package involving Bay. I, I don't know what else they would get for him in that deal. Let's find out. Let's go to Washington's team or Detroit's team here. I mean, I like that. I mean, Killian Hayes is another, you know, player that they'd probably be willing to deal that. Boy, I went big know, on him, and that 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 backfired, didn't it? I I, <laughs> I was going to take Halliburton. I was going to take Halliburton, but I thought I wanted Hayes and Halliburton, and I was going to take Halliburton, and I thought Halliburton will have a better chance of getting. I had four and seven, so I thought Halliburton would have an easier chance of getting to me at seven. Than it would at four, or did I have nine? Did I have four? I don't know. I somehow I had four and seven. Anyway, I freaking Greg took Halliburton one pick before me. I had four and nine. I had four and nine. So, and then I ended up taking a Kongu. So that was fine. I, I wanted a Kongu too. I, I was 
but I really was aiming for Hayes and, and Halliburton. I thought, well, I can probably get Halliburton at nine. No, no, no. But yeah, Hayes, Hayes wouldn't be bad. I, you know, I like that if it's Sadiq Bay and, and a Hayes, um, and then maybe some other draft piece, maybe a pick swap. I'd get I that trade tomorrow if it's on the table. For Turner? Well, Turner yeah, would, would be better, yeah. I would. Well, yeah, I wouldn't do it for Sabonis. There's no way. Yeah. I, would, I would not do – I'm not giving up Sabonis for unproven players um, without major draft considerations. Uh, and, and by major, I mean at least two good picks. I, I would be willing to give up Turner. You know, and, and part of it, too, is you see him have a really good game and then he talks like this is outstanding, you know, and you're like, well, it, it should be notable when you have a really bad game, not notable when you have a really good game. I've often told that to my to my players. They go to college. I don't want to hear about how you had a great practice this week. It, it should be news when you had a bad practice. You know, that's the kind of work ethic you have to have to play collegiately. And it would be nice, like Turner for for Hayes, Bay, and, you know, maybe some maybe a small draft consideration, maybe some heavily protected firsts that eventually convey um, to seconds down the road. But, um, you know, something along those lines for, for Turner is what I was thinking of. Because um, like you said, Adam, you, I don't expect them to – bring a big name in because I don't think that's what they're targeting right now. And plus the teams that are wanting these dudes are, are teams, for, even though I just mentioned Detroit, the teams that are wanting these guys aren't teams are teams that are competing and aren't going to want to give up a big name because they're still trying to win a championship this year. Um, any, anything else before we lock it up here? I think we've talked enough. I mean, it could be a really fun week. I mean, I love, I love this Coming week. up to the trade deadline and just, oh. you know, there's, it's an interesting NBA season. I mean, there's a lot of young teams that are on the rise and, you know, teams like Memphis and, uh, in Cleveland, you know, in particular, uh, that have emerged on the scene and, you know, seeing how teams like that do. And it'd be interesting to see if teams like the Lakers in Brooklyn try to do something, um, the Lakers can't be interesting. Well, and that's and that's what's fun about I, I think this year in particular, as you said, is there's there's some teams that are showing up where they're not supposed to be showing up this year, um, both good and bad. And and so you've kind of hit um, Reddit NBA subreddit refresh season with mm-hmm. with some big names that could potentially be moving around at the trade deadline. Um purely because they're disappointments, <laughs> not, not because they're going to make a super team, which is yeah. a, a fascinating situation compared to years past. I don't, I don't mind your <clears throat> obvious direction there for Adam for, for, from, but I would want, again, I would want it to be for Turner. I don't, and they, they seem pretty reluctant to trade, to be willing to trade Avdia. They, they'd seem a little bit more interested in trading Huchamara. Um, but you know those two pieces, they wouldn't get both of them for for Turner. They might be able to get Avdia yeah. along with something else. And I'm not well, sure. I, I don't see you, Washington, even if it was Domas, really probably separating with those two. It, it 
it's just it's Washington. It's any NBA franchise, but Washington in this specific situation admitting defeat on their last two draft picks really, really early. Right, um, and that's that's hard for a front office to do <laughs> without uh, without getting. Well, they're like, getting they're getting good value in that. I mean, that would be yeah. that wouldn't be giving up on them. The giving up on them is you know not offering them the you know an extension or or anything like that. You know that's. You know, that's some of the stuff we talk about when it comes for kids to, you know, are they deciding to leave early? There are more and more lottery picks even are, are not getting a second long-term contract. They're just signing their rookie deal. And then, then they end up signing a series of one-year contracts before they fade out, before they eventually fade out of the league. But, but yeah, I, I, um, I, I don't mind that Washington direction. I think Washington is a good direction to go. I think Detroit's a good direction to go. Um, I, I think that if somebody like Boston or, or Dallas or somebody wants to come along and, and really shake up their roster a little bit, hope, hoping it helps them make for the stretch run this year, then great. Uh, but I, but I also see it's, it's teams that have a lot of um, promising, like what Steve was saying, promising type prospects, but that's the direction Steve, I would go. It would be like a Sadiq Bay, somebody who has done something in this league. It wouldn't be Lankford. It wouldn't be, uh, Pokachu or Pokachewski or however the hell you pronounce his name. Um, but anyway, the, any last words? Well, I, I was going to, I, I asked you about this trade last week, but I hadn't asked him. One of them that works contract wise would be, uh, you know, Kuzma, Abija, Thomas Bryant, and a draft pick for Sabonis and Craig, I was interested if he would do that trade. That's to you, Adam. Yeah. I, uh... yeah, I'd be, it would be Kuzma. Avdia. Yeah. I think the Pacers would probably do that, but I don't think Washington will. Yeah. I think, um, I think that Kuzma piece is really interesting because I have no idea what to think of Kyle Kuzma. Um, Me <laughs> well, he would be good. I, I thought he was totally washed there for a little while, and and I I just I don't know. I I can't make a call on that trade because I don't know if Kyle Kuzma sucks at basketball or not. He's not sucking this year. No, he's he been great. A, he's been he's great. A three point and, shooter, right? And and that's and what think... I just don't know if the LeBron thing just kind of nuked who Kyle Kuzma was supposed to be. I mean, Kuzma's only shooting 33% from three, 33.7%. So that's not great, but he's had a good year. I don't know what the rest of his efficiency numbers are, like his advanced stats. He's effective field goal percentage is 52.5. That's probably a little bit below average. But you you got to believe if he was playing next to, say, even a, you know, a Turner or a Sabonis or, you know, or, or a really good center, especially with a Sabonis who could, who could get him open or who could find him open, I guess, or even sometimes pass right. him open, you know, maybe he improves his percentages. You know, he's obviously been up and down this year. Um, but you know, his last year as a Laker was at 36% from three. That's been his highest. Um, okay. But his first, you know, his first two years in the league, he was without LeBron. And he was at 16 points and 18.7 points per game. This year he's at 16.2. I've kind of liked that piece because I think he's a he could be a stretch four who rebounds pretty well, and and probably a good shooter from a four. You know, as a four, he could probably raise it a little bit. 
again, that's not bad if that's your big man. I mean, Sabonis is shooting 20. What's Sabonis shooting? Sabonis is shooting 20. Uh, let's see. Oh, Sabonis is shooting 32% from three. So not a whole lot worse, but not the same volume either. So, but that's not a, that would be a great trade, Steve. I just don't think Washington would do it. Well, and, and Thomas Bryant, um, you know, was a player who was playing pretty well before he got hurt last year. And he's another one of those young guys who I'm not saying he's got he's, all-star potential, but maybe a guy just, who pops is a good player for you. He's just awful defensively. Yeah. And now you're talking about playing him. What if you if they if they make that deal for Sabonis, he's backing up Turner. Most um, likely, yeah. So that's that's the only problem with that's a I just don't think the Wizards would do that. I think they've been very adverse to trading Avdia. And I don't think Kuzma's untouchable, but I I I think they've liked him. But you know, and Hachimura hasn't been back yet. I obviously Hachimura is the guy they're trying to trade. But he's not been – he is back, but he's not been – you know, he was not doing what he did last year right. yet. Yeah, but if there was a way to get Avdia and, and Hachimura for Turner, we'd definitely do that and just and then just see what – see where it goes from there because Hachimura could start alongside Sabonis. He's not a very good defender either. That's the only problem with that. Uh, but he is he is a pretty gifted offensive player. And then Avdia, you're getting a, you know, you're getting a guy who can play the three. I, I just don't know how much they improve their shooting, though. I, I think there's sort of that point, sort of rearranging chairs in the deck of the Titanic. So, um, but it just depends on what KP and everybody thinks about what Pritchard thinks about Sabonis, you know, Turner and Sabonis playing together. So I'm not sure they're thinking, hey, we have to deal one of them. I think they're thinking we what kind of assets can we get and how can we you know start you know taking this team in a different direction so well guys unless there's anything else i thought it was good we've been talking for an hour like i said we we i said maybe we'll go about 30 40 minutes and we end up talking longer and here we are so yeah if, if i'm involved it's it's always going to be well, longer I apologize same with me. for that no 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 hell same <laughs> with me have you listened yeah well if you if you've noticed all of most of our pod most of my podcasts are are over, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And those are the ones we don't really have any hot topics. Those are just the ones where we're just sort of riffing. So that's kind of what we did here. So Steve, any last thoughts? Yeah. If you want a uh, more Pacers talk or uh, Indiana Hoosiers, oh, yeah. you can uh, check us out at the Hoosier Hysteria podcast. And I'm also over on Twitter, coach underscore Isaacs. Yeah, good. I forgot about that. We need to do more of that. So say the podcast again. Yeah, Hoosier Hysteria podcast. Yep, that's a good one. Adam, you got anything to plug? No, sir. I, no, uh, sir. Since, since I went free roam on, uh, got rid of the Crimson Quarry, it's not been my thing for a couple of years. That's true. I, we didn't I, say I that. I just you do whatever to, I want to do. You, you used to run Crimson nice. Quarry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now you're the head of the uh, Republican Party in Evansville. <laughs> no they know, won't okay. have me they won't have you <laughs> well you're one of the you're one of the sane republicans is that what's going on <laughs> nice i don't All know right. depends how long you check out my twitter account no 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 we're good no i, I mean, we've, we've, we've gone back and forth on a couple of things but they've, it's always been fun it's always been 
Are you sure you think, you know, are you sure? Yeah, it's, ne- it's never too serious. Most no, of the time no, no. I'm trolling. I apologize. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a definite, I'm a definite troll. I'm taking on all these groups that are attacking teachers right now. So we've, we ran one of them out of business. That was fun. So probably lost some followers over, but I gained a lot of, I gained a lot of followers. So anyway, all right, man. Well, guys, great talking to you. I'm going to end this now and then uh, we'll don't, don't hang up. We'll, we'll still, we're just going to stop recording. So thanks for everybody. Thanks everybody for listening. Like I say, in our other podcasts or like our, our normal ones, if you listen every week, we appreciate it. If you don't, Hit that subscribe button and and come back and have it delivered to your uh, to your phone.